The following podcast may be explicit. One Joe Young presents Adventures from the Shed, a tabletop RPG podcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. It looks like it's recording. Hey, we're back with Adventures from the Shed. We learned a little bit about our characters on the previous episode. We're going to get back to it. Last time we did not introduce because people joined uh, kind of staggered. And that's cool. Like we explained, that's how it really works. But now we're all together at our virtual gaming table. And we're going to say hi. And we'll start with, I'm going to start on my screen with the top left, which is uh, the Jason man. Hi, I'm Jason. Who are you playing? I am playing Bell G. Umwaffle, a... Lightfoot Halfling Rogue. And after that is Eli. Howdy. Howdy. I'm playing Erethnus Siegfried. Variant human. Variant human. Uh, I, I still think, for whatever reason, that just really tickles me. We're like humans, but better. But more humanly slightly different. More humanly. You vary. Tyrell Corporation. Yeah. Just um, and then at uh, the bottom of my screen is Mr. Randy. Is it Randall, by the way? No, it's Randy. Damn it. I said Randall <laughs> earlier, and I was like, you know, honestly, I don't even know if his name's Randall. <laughs> no, never Randall. Well, Randolph. <laughs> Randolph. I am Randrafar. Anyway, guys, I'm Randy, Randall, and I'll be playing Miles Axe Grinder Mize. How are you guys doing? I'm a human bard, and I have a bone to pick and an angry baby. She did not like that. Into- he did not like that introduction. We keep saying she because Chris just had a girl. Well, maybe not just, but a few yeah. months ago. Coming up on eight months. Yeah. And speaking of which, I have a Chris, doctor that laughs at all my voices. There you go. Go ahead and say hi, Chris. Hey, it's Chris, and I'm playing Abraxas, the uh, dragonborn paladin. People, even though he's dragonborn. Cool. All right. So I have um, the characters. <laughs> I just got a message. My internet connection is unstable. Sorry, guys, but we're going to keep going anyway, and we'll see how this oh, no. works out. If there are a lot of interruptions, I'll, I'll address it. Um, I just, with other people in the house, actually, your boy is not streaming yet, Randy, but he will be in probably a few months, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he'll be watching something that's streaming. And we've got so many devices and people in the house that uh, I never know when somebody's about to kick something off. Anyway, we're here. We've got our characters. In our last episode, um, I mentioned we introduced the characters as we have them recorded today. Characters are going to, they're going to be elastic. And this is something that not only do I encourage, but I love. I love the idea of a character changing throughout a story. Just like people throughout their lives, you don't have the same beliefs you had, most likely, when you were preteen, than when you were a teenager, than when you were hit 20. You have, you have different beliefs, different approaches to the world. Um, the, your character within the game should also grow and change. Just because you might start, for example, as a quick-to-action noble paladin, that doesn't mean that you know a few episodes in you might start heading towards the dark side. There's no reason you can't do that. You don't have to stick with just one thing. So that's why I emphasize, as we've recorded our characters today, within the D&D Beyond Character Generator, and we shared them through a campaign, 
uh, we have the, the basic information of how the character is set up. One of the things we do want to talk about is um, how did this apparently varying group of, of people, halflings and dragonborn, how did, how did they actually get together? What is the reason that, and I think what I'd like to do when we start playing, maybe we can go through the introduction in character, but at least what brings everybody to the town of Ket, which is the place that we're going to start. Uh, let's go kind of in reverse order of the introduction. Chris, if you want to talk about how Abraxas finds himself in this small town on the edge of the frontiers in uh, Niebuhr. Uh, for me, since he has an interest in cartography, which is kind of weird for somebody that doesn't have a high intelligence, uh, but for me, it was like to map the edge of the world here, to get past those lost mountains, what's beyond that. You think that would be something uh, interesting and something uh, nobody's ever done? He thinks he's got what it takes I've passed that. Uh, <clears throat> so that's why he's uh, that's why he's in this town, right? It's like it's the edge, right? It's the last town before you get out into the uh, the unknown. Right? <clears throat> so that's uh, that's his plan. He's, I, don't, I don't know how we're going to rope him into how he knows the rest of the other characters, but that's why he's in town. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's part of what I was thinking is that you don't have to know the other characters yet. And, you know, that may be how we actually start off. But um, that... It's okay if you do know them, okay if you don't. Yeah. I do have one question, though. I, I have, this might have been answered already. Randy, did you say your character was, his inn was not in this town, or was it this town? Uh, he was in Malagar with his inn, and then he left okay. there to, yeah. uh, we, we'll get to me in a second. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. <laughs> yep. um, and unless anyone has any questions for Chris about Abraxas, that's where we're going next, Randy. <laughs> no? All right, go for it, Randy. Just don't use that voice again. It'll piss off your kid. Yeah, I'll keep it for the game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, he left Malagar. He wasn't really kicked out of there. He was just uh, released with just the clothes on his back. Uh, so he felt a little bitter, so he decided to leave that city and head towards the closest city you could find, and uh, that's why he ended up in Ket. So he, he was uh, going. He, he go was ahead. neither like honorably nor dishonorably discharged. He was just discharged from the jail, let go. Yeah, the uh, they found out that it was a misunderstanding. He had a good reputation with the fact that he was uh, unpoisoning the ales or whatnot uh, for people to safely drink, and it was just a fluke that the guard poisoned himself in a way. So they just let him go, but took over his end, took over his whole business and then released him back into the world with nothing. So being a little pissed off, let's just say that he uh, decided to head out. Is this, um, is that story going to be found in any newspapers or heralds or people talking about this uh, at any given time? Like would new, would word of this have, has have good Josh, would it have reached cat? Uh, probably captain of the guard killed by a local innkeeper. Uh, I think that might reach there pretty quickly. Overzealous guard poison self. <laughs> yeah, poison that may be go. that may be the retraction on page ten two weeks later. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he he find, he finds himself at uh, or in cat because 
He's looking he for work so he can start to get his business back again and yeah. hopefully renew his name because it was tarnished by being a murderer, even though he technically wasn't the one who caused the death okay. of the guard. Now, I had in my notes that it was when you owned it, uh, when Miles owned it, it was the stand-in. It was changed to the gobble in. Yeah, the uh, he lost the rights to it to, I yeah. guess, pay the guard's family or pay the kingdom. They were already being taxed, so they probably just decided to take everything uh, and okay. left him with nothing and changed the name and changed the crew who run it and left him with nothing. He probably hit that 15,000 gold tax bracket and they took everything from him. That's what it was. Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do we have, I mean, I had a couple questions. Does anyone else have any questions for Randy about Miles? I do. So Miles is trying to regain his business, not start over someone new, new, new name, new reputation. He's trying to get it back. Uh, that is the ultimate goal. It's a good trading port. He had uh, carts delivering supplies that was ran by one of his two children. Uh, the other one being a soldier that ran away. And uh, he just would like that location back and he might branch out. Just uh, he hasn't decided. He has main goal is to get his original business back. But he also kind of likes the idea of going back out and adventuring like he used to. Now forgive me if I missed this, but did he start the stand in? Was he the original founder? Uh, I never uh, said that, uh, nor thought about that, but uh, I would like to say that he uh, was hired on initially and then worked his way up or the original owner passed away and left it to him. Okay, so that's one of the reasons he has such a vested interest in it then. He he worked his way up to it. He didn't yeah. just buy it or whatever, right? He, okay, yeah. cool. Anything else for Randy about Miles? Not for me. Uh, I, yeah, so you said he has a lute because you weren't sure if he was going to be like a more of a spoken word guy or a singer. Yeah, it was not decided, but uh, you know, it gives me a reason just to hit my guitar over here real quick. He's more of the, the Tom Waits gruff voice kind of singer, right? There you go. <laughs> oh, I think one of the things Randy said was he was going to play but not sing in some cases. Yeah, I, w I wasn't really decided, but I might make you guys suffer through some terrible lyrics <laughs> <laughs> that I won't attempt right now while I have a sleeping there you uh, newborn on my arms. Yeah. I That's lost my money in my end, and they changed the name. <laughs> my name is Miles. <laughs> I feel inspired now. <laughs> there you go. Beautiful. Everybody, roll for inspiration. You guys get an uh, inspiration because if he can do it, you realize you could easily do it. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. That's Definitely. it. I, I can like also be a rock star. Cool. I deceive you, you and make you think you can't. Yes. De deception and performance. Put those two together and oh my. Like I say, you convince people that you can do well. Oh, yeah. That was terrible? Um, I don't think so. You think you loved it. <laughs> I think you loved it. <laughs> You're right. I do think I loved it. <laughs> and if like not, somebody's really going to shoot like a crossbow me. into their fingernails. So. <laughs> you don't want to shoot me with crossbows. I don't want to shoot you with crossbows. Yeah. <laughs> Eli, tell us a little bit about, um, oh gosh, I forgot the name. Or I want to say Elazar, but it's not that. Nope. That Elazar is me. Yeah, exactly. Erithness. 
Erythmus, yes. Erythmus Siegfried. Sorry. Yep. Erythmus. So, so uh, what's his deal? Um, his deal <laughs> is uh, he's so he he's married. He has a family, a be beautiful wife Elizabeth, a two-year-old son Leonard. Leonard, uh, unlike his father's, unlike Erythmus and his side of the family, instead of having minor magic pop up in adolescence, Leonard has his magic showing up immediately, two years old, and he's already almost slinging spells. So Erythmus is thinking, well, he's got a better shot at being a big, fancy, famous magic man than any of us did. I want to send this boy to college. Now I have to earn up the money for it. <laughs> <laughs> now, didn't um, didn't he uh, didn't Erythmus also want fame and fortune? So the the fame and fortune are more a means to an end. Yeah. Erythmus himself is more than happy to just live his life at the little goat farm that he got started with Elizabeth's father. Farm. Yeah, it's 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 there on on my character sheet in the little background. He started up a little goat farm um, for, with the help of Elizabeth's father, and that's that's his life after being a bodyguard for for that noble family. But now he he's looked into the prices of tuition for these colleges, and they're astronomical. So the only way to make up all that money. Yeah in just a year's time because he doesn't want to stay out of his kid's life for too long is to take a big gamble and head beyond the mountains. That's the only way his kid's going to have a good life. Yeah, out of kingdom tuition is, is pretty high. Yeah, it's, yeah uh, exactly. At least that's like what it. they say. Yeah. <laughs> that's what some uh, small man at the college told me. That's <laughs> what the little guys say anyway. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, so he, he wants to go out beyond these mountains. He wants to go up to the ruined uh, watchtower, find, find relics, find treasure, find stories to bring back and, and sell to bards and playwrights. And you find the final boss and we all die. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if that's how it goes, that's how it goes. As I've, got a, I've got a best friend of Siegfried's that I can play. <laughs> Do you have any accidental death and dismemberment insurance? <laughs> <laughs> mine was, mine um, was all taken away from me. <laughs> sure the, the halfling could probably sell you some. Yep, yep. I got you covered. Good. Yeah, all of my insurance has been like uh, renter's insurance, uh, property insurance, because I now have a very destructive spell slinging baby. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. He's burned the window so four times just because he saw a hamster. <laughs> my baby slings too, but it's not spells. It's poo. <laughs> <laughs> Secret needs to roll for insurance claims. Yes. <laughs> oh no, I have an eight intelligence. They're going to screw me over. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read either. Yeah, right. You really need this extra coverage. <laughs> You're right, I do. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's this whole, whole deal. As far as his uh, bodyguard background, uh, he... He used to be a courier in his youth, so on one of those jobs, he met a, uh, the son of a nobleman. They became friends, and as uh, Erethnus grew older, the kid was like, hey, you know what? There's an opening in, in for, yeah, yeah, it's all, all of this is here. It's just, uh, yeah, right there. He was later hired on as a bodyguard for the West, Weston family, 
and assigned to their third son, Beryl. Beryl? Beryl. Beryl Weston. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a nice little little piece here. Yeah. Gives uh gives everything that I've told here. Oh yeah, that also reminds me, Erethness is twenty six. Twenty six. Any 26. specific reason why you went with twenty six? It was the first age that I could think of that wasn't. You know what? This this kid is just not fitting this, and also he's way too old to do that. It, it was a nice little middle ground. Cool. Uh, but yeah. it, it is also around an age, at least in a setting like this, where he he should be settling down. And the this adventuring high life stuff isn't where he should be. Mm. Okay, cool. Mm. Yeah, I was I was reading this and I realized, yeah, I could still just share the screen and you could <laughs> look at it. We could look at it. Because I mean you if had, you want, I can do a dramatic that. reading. Ooh. We'll save that till after Jason goes. In a world where a tower is in a mountain range. Oh, no, he's using the voice. <laughs> yes. Did you disturb not, not the baby? That, it wasn't that rough one. <laughs> well, yeah. Rated R starts Friday. <laughs> Maybe I should use this one instead. <laughs> I should use that for the Dragonborn guy. Yes. <laughs> in a world where Talk the like Dragonborn has a baby voice, <laughs> one man stands <laughs> alone. Agent <laughs> 00.5. Uh, Maybe we could go to the mountains in a... <laughs> We go up the mountains and fight the dragon. Oh, oh man! Don't. Sorry. So, Beautiful. Jason, I think they've nailed the voice for uh, Belle. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Belle is a person with many voices, Belle? though. Belle, Belle ah, has many yeah. Voices. Dope. Yes. Does anyone have any questions for Eli about Erethness um, before we move on to to Belle? So he's just looking for money. That's his thing. I need money to pay. Tuition. Insurance and tuition. Yeah, yeah that, that's yeah, okay. his big thing. He's he's looking for money. He's not trying to be greedy about it. It's just the reality of I, his okay, situation. So I guess this is more of like a his moral compass. What will he do almost anything for that money? Like what kind of guy is he? He's he's not gonna do anything for the money. The deductibles are pretty high. Yeah. yeah. The, the big, he would do the anything thing. for love, but he won't do that. He won't do that. Gotcha. <laughs> the big and thing about choosing right to be an adventurer like this is he doesn't have to deal with, you know, uh, shady, shady back alley dealings. He doesn't have to sell his soul to somebody. It's making money on his terms. All right. So he's, he wouldn't be dishonorable. More than money. likely not. Okay. More, okay. <laughs> I think I remember you, cool using, you, are. You, you used a reference to something like a uh, professional athlete today. You know, they have fame and they have money. And that's the kind of thing, like, if he can be the ultimate adventurer, he's going to be getting money out of it. And yeah, exactly. Of the Those endorsement yeah. deals. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he wears our plate mail. Right. I want to sign a multi, multi-million multi gold deal just to <laughs> injure my knee in the first game of the season. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> yep. That's how you write out that career. Yeah. I, I, I felt like I remembered you saying something like that, and that's how I was thinking it in my head. Not necessarily the fame and fortune, but fame because fortune. You need the money, so you know one way to get there is to be famous. Yep. Everybody's going to want to be around you. That includes some pretty rich folk. Uh-huh. So to recap, you said he sort of had the Conan the Barbarian thing where he cannot read, but he recognizes symbols to uh, tell him this is an inn or this is uh, a medical place or 
Yeah, so so like base, basic iconography is going to be just instant form because it's pretty obvious. If you see a cup on a sign, you're just, oh, cup, drink. If you see a fire, oh, okay, they have fire in there. I don't know why they need it. But like he's not going to be able to see or to make the connection that the words uh, stay in is a place he can rest. Nah. It, it doesn't click. He would need to see like a picture of a bed or somebody sleeping. Doesn't have to worry about that now. It's the goblin ran yeah. by goblins. That's yeah. the picture there. Because if it's a goblin, he's thinking it's just going to be like a fight club. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he's still going in. It's one way to make money. Yeah. You ever punted a two foot tall goblin across the room? Because I have. <laughs> Ooh, the rush. Oh, man. Goblin, um, goblin kicking. Love it. That, Love it. Sport. Nice. Um, so, with. With that, I was thinking when you're talking about being um, bodyguard, is that one of the reasons why you would pick fighter? He was already rough and tumble kind of guy. Yes, that that's the biggest reason I went with fighter over yeah. anything else. It's also just always been a big part of Siegfried as as a character in my other role playing games in D and D three point five. He was a fighter all the way at the LARP that I played. Uh, with that persona, he was a fighter first, and then he started taking uh, barbarian skills to be that. I'm very calm and 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 cunning, but as soon as you cross that line, that's that's the end for you. Rage. Now, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now here, I want to take him fighter because it's it's a very simple class for a very simple man. That makes sense. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I'm actually thinking he's, he's going to be Tin Man because he's just got all, all the armor and what have you, and he's just kind of straightforward. Um, I, I like that idea. Cool. I Any got another question for his character. Uh, I just yeah. noticed. I don't know if you picked, you know, picked this on purpose or just it tossed it in there automatically. I see that you speak Draconic. Yes. So, um, as I even I've, think I've... about languages, I'm going to go back to everybody on that after. But go ahead. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, so Draconic, I, I kind of said it in passing uh, earlier, but Siegfried's family on his father's side, he comes from a long line of magic users, but nobody is good at it. Nobody really goes anywhere with it. He's got the low it's, intelligence. <laughs> well, it's no, that's just because... sorcerer compared to wizard. Wizards look down on sorcerers. Right? I was just born stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you can fix dumb you can't fix stupid right yeah. um oh yeah it's um most most of the men in his family if they do have some spark of magic in them it comes up in their teens and at best it manifests as a couple of cantrips which is the the, the reason that i took the magic initiate feat just so i have those two cantrips and one spell that i'm good at uh it's because of that, his family, like they have tried to look into, into this, this phenomenon. Why, why can they use magic and why is it so bad? <laughs> and part of that is, is learning magical, magically inclined languages like Draconic. I mean, there's the Draconic blood sorcerer for... For Pete's sake, it's it's a whole thing. Everybody knows that dragons are magic, 
So what are the most ancient magic texts going to be written in? Draconic. Unfortunately for Erethus, he only learned to speak it. All the claw marks are even more confusing than actual letters. And, and that made me think, the reason why I put this back on the screen here is under tools, you put dragon chess set. Is there a link there? I just like chess. Okay. I didn't know if there was a link I had to ask. I don't have like an in-character thing. I wish I did. I just like yeah. chess. Cool. All right. And 3D dragon chess even. Ooh. Oh, heck yeah. 3D six-player dragon chess. <laughs> That's when you get into real competitive play. Yeah. So I guess he likes Abraxas then, since he's a dragonborn. He has he several questions. Yeah. Yeah, we, can make a, we can definitely make a connection there. Uh, cool. But do you I, mean you don't cast these spells? You're a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> That's racist. Hey, breath, though. You don't want the breath, man. Uh, sorry, it's something I ate. <laughs> Come just <laughs> <laughs> Flame of Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Oi. All right, Jason. <laughs> yes, uh, so I play. With Bell. Go for I it. play Bell G. Um Waffle. He is a 22-year-old halfling uh, that is uh, larger than life in his own head. Um, he's very naive, and he has been brought up in uh, a very, very, you know, a big kingdom called Brillis, which was really run through an entertainment kind of a guild. So he grew up with comic books about this tale of this ancient order of the eternal ring. And it's basically uh, his James Bond to a degree, which is why he's agent 00.5. He is out on the world looking to uncover the mysteries behind the organization and to, again, build up his own uh, detective uh, secret agent style of profile and his own ability to help solve mysteries and things. He's not really ever asked to help, but he does, and he does so to the best of his ability. Um, uh, he's gone through Malagar and has caused a little bit of commotion inside of there, posing as different guards and college professors uh, trying to uncover what he thought was maybe some sort of corruption as he's following in the footsteps of Agent Zero and these agents in these uh, basically comic books or Penny Dreadfuls uh, that he has read, looking to, again, try to find some way to join this order uh, that he has you know, built up so highly. Uh, he has been passed a, a journal, a diary, from Agent Zero, the, the highest-ranked agent uh, within that organization, and he's following what he believes is a code, combining that with the comic books and other things that he has gleaned, collectibles and stuff, uh, moving into Cat in the Mountains of the Lost, uh, where... He believes his journal has uh, handwritten maps and images of what's behind that particular mountain range where Agent Zero himself has gone to. And in those particular areas, he feels that he can get there, he can do what he did, then he is going to definitely be ensured membership into this secret organization. You say maps? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I'll digress for a moment. Uh, Eli, your pizza delivery person in your room, I don't know about outside, um, I think brought our first visual profanity. There was fuck on the shirt somewhere. And I'm curious oh. what the rest of the shirt said. Um, hold on. <laughs> that's fuck pizza. See, no, no, no. Yeah, what does your shirt say? <laughs> exactly. If, if, if that person walks back over to the camera, we could see it. Yeah, they did. They just want to know. It's not like you're not in trouble. No, not at all. Oh, and I think it was, 
literally our first, first, he wants to show it. Literally our first visual single taken. Fuck you, Fuck you on Batman. All right. Thank you. Thank you for bringing in my pizza. <laughs> Points for the shirt. Yeah, cool. Sure, yeah, I definitely didn't want to take away from the um, from Bell's story there, but I no, no, to, we have to we have to stop and see those things. Yeah, because I it caught me out of the corner of the eye because uh, Eli sent this chat that just said pizza, so he was getting pizza. Moved. I saw the yeah. Mountain Dew as well, right? I, I was I was gonna I muted myself so yeah. I could get up and go get it, but as I was typing pizza, he he brought it to me. You cool. All right. So yeah, that was awesome. Um, I have. Uh, like because we came up with so much stuff for Bell when we talked before, I have a a, a million questions, but I'm only going to ask a couple because I want the other ones to just come out eventually. But one I do want to know, and it's more of a yes or no at this point. Do you have much of the five-page journal thought out yet? Yes. Cool. All right. Do you have any visual references yet? No, not yet. Okay. Not yet. Because I'm curious of how Agent Zero would draw a map. And, yeah. and for that matter, how Bell would interpret it, right? Exactly. Because I'm almost thinking at some point, I, I, I want you to share the whole thing with me as you've come up with it so I can determine fact from fiction. But at the same time, I want to experience it through um, Bell's eyes, not necessarily through my own. So that's something I want to, I want to go through as well. Um, and the other question I had, uh, because um, I think we mentioned it in the last episode, we were talking about the whole idea of... Uh, uh, stealth and um, deception. You did have in your tools a uh, disguise kit. D is that something that Bell will do regularly? And how does he disguise himself when he has such a a signature size and appearance? Yes. So that is something that I was going to bring up with you, uh, yeah. Bell. To get around this height disadvantage in his in his mind, he thinks it works very, very well. Uh, he has crafted, uh, you know, two and a half foot tall stilts that he can put on his legs that he can walk around in. <laughs> now, it doesn't really do much for him because it's, it's not very good. Uh, his arms are still short. He's like a T-Rex. still short and everything else. But he, he, he has that confidence about that I can pull it off. I can do it. And it allows him to maybe hopefully blend in a little bit more if he's, if he's fully cloaked. Uh, but, uh, you know, I... Going from town to town as he's made his way from Burles into these other kingdoms, you know, posing as a detective to get inside and find out what's going on with this crime here. Um, I feel that Bell would have become proficient with the disguise kit to degree after many, many, many failures and getting caught. Uh, <laughs> he would have now been able to be good enough to actually put on a, a decent disguise at this point in time. Um, and also forging different documents as well, like my passport. Here's my ID. Here's these kind of things here. Uh, things that he's read and things he's learned from Agent Zero and these other agents from the Secret Order who have infiltrated cults, who have infiltrated, you know, high society and things like that. So I'm, I'm and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm kind of hearing that what, I, what I'm gathering out of that is, uh, oh, hold on. I'm tall. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You just imagine he walks up to a city guard and guard just rips the trench coat off. <laughs> <laughs> this is the third time this week. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, has that has happened. Um, but what, what I'm hearing, because my initial thought was disguise was to try in disguise. One of the first things I think is I'm going to try and be that person 
you know, I'm going to disguise myself as the captain of the guard to convince the guy at the guard post that he could be off his shift now. But what, what I feel like I'm hearing is that, um, that Bell is just really good at making you think he's somebody, but not necessarily a real person. So you yes. could convince somebody that maybe you're the captain of the guard's new assistant. <laughs> yeah, sure yeah. Let me in the kitchen. Right. There oh, you got go. the yellow vest on, the clipboard. He's exactly, legit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's making Bell makes himself authentic without necessarily being a different, uh, a named different person. Just mm -hmm. who he is, he can carry off a different role. Yeah. And and that's cool because that I like that because that doesn't fit how I was thinking of disguise, which where where I was saying the physical stature. You're not going to pull yourself off as a, um, you know, a, a, an orc barbarian, but you could, you could, uh, you could definitely convince somebody that you might be a barbarian, but just not that orc barbarian. Right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, all right. Uh, somebody else has to have questions for Jason about, about bell, because this is, it's an interesting so, character. Okay. So the, this is part of the disguise and, per, and performance and all these other things. Does he, do we, Will anybody really know who he is? Is he always somebody else? Is, is he ever himself? Does he even yeah. know who he really is? You I know? think he does. Deacon from Fallout 4 on us? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think he does. I think he, at some points, it falls so in love with the idea, especially when he is feeling like the mission that he's, that's in his head is going so well that he might get lost to a degree. But Bell is, he's, he's, still, he's still himself, and he will, again, be himself uh, at certain points. But uh, he, he definitely... Um, will fully commit to the alternative identity, just like the agents do, in order to succeed things. But those agents always come back in the books, uh, and they always come back to who they are, you know, eventually. Sometimes, though, they get yeah. they get mixed up, you know. Dep like depends on how serious. deep he goes. Yeah, yeah how deep it, how deep undercover is he? Right? Yeah. I see it like two months later into a different adventure. The character, the other characters are like. Bell, you can drop the damn accent that we needed to get in there. <laughs> we, we haven't been there in three months. Good gosh. It's a me, a Bell Amorfo. <laughs> so, I do not gonna... know this Bell character that you speak of. All right. <laughs> I am Roger. Roger. So Roger has, rabbit. Does he normally work uh, solo? Uh, and how's it going to work uh, if he does uh, with uh, joining a group like our little ragtag gang that we're throwing together? Yeah, so so he has worked solo, and that's mainly because his help has been kind of unwanted in a lot of places he's been to, um, and he's you know gotten around that. Uh, but he's he's a confident guy, and you know he's 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 he's, he's charming in his own way. So going in and, and finding help and, and getting past these things, yeah, absolutely. He has comics uh, number 312, no, comics number 314 and something else that talked about agents going in as a team and doing things. So yeah, he absolutely understands and appreciates the agency for groups uh, when it comes down to tackling things that are maybe above one man or one <laughs> individual. Right. He's the kind of guy that inserts himself into situations and kind of makes you feel like he's always been there and he's always mm -hmm. been part of the team. In fact, this was his idea all along. Absolutely. <laughs> he's uh, that absolutely. kind of guy? Okay. Absolutely. And he needs someone to carry his gear. <laughs> that is a definite. And reach things that are high up. I, I, need, yeah. I need that as well. <laughs> no. You come to the right place with this. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right, you're stolen seven battle axes, two swords, and three bows. What do you need all this junk for? <laughs> <laughs> 
It was all on the top shelf, man. <laughs> I just um, wanted to know what was up there. <laughs> it's a different world up there. It's a world that Bell wishes he was a part of. <laughs> you know, the air is much thinner up there. You don't need that. It, it, it's really not that good for you. Um, what else do we have for Jason about Bell? I just hope we find a ball to take the bell to the ball. Hi. Oh. I, I, I did want to ask about um, Disneya. Yes. Where? <laughs> I, I just want to know more about this, honestly. I, I had to stop myself from busting out laughing when you told me that they were a uh, <clears throat> entertainment conglomerate. Ooh. Yes, the Disneya family from Virilis. Uh, there were several wealthy families that controlled the city, but the Disneya family uh, realized quite early on if they could capture the entertainment guilds and entertain the masses, they could stay in power much longer and generate much more money. So they basically did that in a very hostile fashion, uh, and they basically have been ruling the city of Virilis and really grooming the young generations that have come up with their media, with their story of their family and all these other kind of things. And they spread it now to other kingdoms too, where other kingdoms now have some of these uh, influences over the past several, several years. Um, but yeah, they are, they are a, a large entertainment conglomerate that controls all the media and things like that and entertainment for uh, that entire kingdom. Nice. Yeah. They're similar uh, to the one that, on um, that, the, that uh, uh, Miles would know about PepsiCo, who uh, manages all the food and beverage stuff for most of the inns, right? So same kind <laughs> yep, of Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. I, I did have a follow-up question there. Um, now that we understand more about the uh, Disney family, do they have a play about a young woman who goes into the abandoned castle of a uh, lycanthrope? nobleman <laughs> of course that's a, that's a classic that's a time ah, i see do you have the would you happen to have the name of it on hand i don't have the name yet but i will come up with one <laughs> <laughs> all right i was that's just cool. curious cool. I, I i used to run a playwright character he was an abjuration <laughs> wizard and he was always trying to find new stories to tell I, i'd love to have that to bring into another game <laughs> absolutely <laughs> jason Thank can i you. ask you at your convenience to add a couple of those things into the character sheet yeah. absolutely because, um, I mean, heck, that could be added under organization for that matter, I guess. Ooh, yeah. But um, I'm looking at the, the sheet here, and I'll share this again because... Um, That's the only thing that thinks I could see everybody's information except for that stuff, like backstory. Oh, you should be I, I have my backstory, my, the order of thing in there. You want to ref I don't know if you can refresh it or not. Yeah, I yeah. think oh, Joe God. could see it, but I don't I think everybody else could see it. I think I it's because it's part else. of the campaign, yeah. 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 Oh, okay, maybe, maybe. All right, well, yeah, I'll, I'll get yep. that in there. That's Murder not a of the Eternal oh, there we go. Club. Yep, there we go. Yeah, so a little bit of refresh helps. Uh, okay. Ooh, that is beautiful. I wish That's I had mine structured as well as that. Yeah, no, like I'm gonna large wallet with several again. fake IDs. That's beautiful. <laughs> I read you say, Bell's most recent adventure is being asked, and I thought the sentence was going to end to the ball. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I'm a little upset. <laughs> no, so I'm going to have to up my uh, backstory game because I kind of like changed everything last minute. You know. <laughs> it's fine. That's, that's cool. As long as you have it on Joe's desk, but it 
in three to five business days written in triplicate. Uh, in triplicate, yes. Oh, yeah, please, yeah. definitely. I don't want a single copy of anything. That's right. But, um, yeah, I'll go back to just as to harp on it for another moment. Since we just saw that whole campaign thing, and we actually have the characters in here, and I can see them refresh the screen to see things like what, um, what Jason had, had done there, where I can look at Bell's um, information. Right hey, Joe, that. did you by chance see Miles' uh, languages? Okay. Um, Here, the answer got Elvis, is right? now yet. El wow, you speak Elvis? Is he an Elvis impersonator? <laughs> hey, Elvish. <laughs> I mean, somebody's <laughs> got to understand what all those grunts mean. And yeah, I wanted to get back to the languages, so let's go with that. Um, let's jump right over. Uh, I want to get back to more uh, about Bell, of course, but um, I'm looking at, so I, I'm going to tools quick too, but drum, flute, and lute. Now, I get the lute and the drums because you've got a stringed instrument and drums right behind you. What do you have in your room that would be flutish? I have a recorder. You from fifth oh. grade. Hey. Nice. Hey. Classic. When you just, said, when you, said you could just reach over to the guitar and make noises, I'm thinking you could reach behind you and hit a cymbal or whatever, too. And then <laughs> when you put flute in here, I'm thinking, all right, what does he have in there for that? So that's cool. Got to figure out what happened to that thing, but it's in here somewhere. Cool. All right, now let's go back to the language. Elvish, why on earth does an innkeeper... Um, well, that, that's probably a bad way to word it, because an innkeeper could learn almost anything from all the different people that might stay there. Why on earth does this guy, why in Never does Miles know Elvish? To be completely honest, this was me going for a gag. I was trying to think of the most pretty language that would make crazy sense with that voice, like no sense at all. <laughs> I could say, yeah, take... Um, I'll go back to Lord of the Rings stuff. Take uh, um, Liv Tyler there speaking with a, a cigarette voice, honey. <laughs> right. I want to now. I want to see an alternate take of that. that uh, nice, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> nice little toss-up, but that was uh, what you just put in my mind. Maybe uh, his p deceased wife was Elvish, uh, Ooh, an elf, yeah. and uh, that's why he learned to speak Elvish. Nice. Okay. And so his sons would be half elves. <laughs> That's a, I'm just changing everything right, right in front of you. No, that's perfectly fine. Um, so with I, I'm looking at Abraxas here. It just says draconic in common. Kind of makes sense, right? Um, and the same was to, uh, true for Bell. Bell uh, had um, halfling thieves can't in common. So those make sense to the character. But I do like the idea that we had draconic added in um, for uh, Eli's Erythrus and... Um, and, and Elvish in there for miles. Um, cartographer's toolkit. So you were talking about the whole map thing. I, I'm going to be curious, and of course, it's nothing that has to be answered now because we haven't done it, but I'm going to be curious the first time that Bell opens up this, this journal. And I don't know how big it is. We'll talk about that after, but the physical size. When he opens it and you see like a hand-drawn map, I'm, I'm curious what the reaction will be at that point. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's going to be all about it. Nice. Um, so that covers the language stuff. Now, that, just looking at that quick, too, between the different characters, did anyone have any kind of uh, tool, weapon, equipment, something that stands out as to uh, a conscious choice you made for the character? Uh, vehicles, land vehicles for um, uh, 
Erythrus? Is that like wagons and stuff like that? Because he was yeah, a bodyguard for from Karen? from my understanding, it's it's part of the soldier background, and okay. it's it's supposed to be like carts, wagons, horses. You're a, you're a courier, right? So you. I did also stuff, work yeah. as a courier. Yes, yeah. good yeah. job remembering that. I'm nice. so proud of you. I totally didn't forget. <laughs> I totally didn't forget. Uh, um. Yeah, I have the same on mine. I don't know why it's because of the folk hero thing. I automatically get like a wagon or it's kind of weird. That's it, cool. It might actually yeah, when you save the town, you get a then. wagon. It's like getting a car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You saved us from our corrupt mayor. You've won a new car. What's behind dork number two? So Randy yeah. comes out <laughs> with his one man band, his drum, his flute, his Oh my gosh. Oh, those shrill notes on the recorder. <laughs> and he's going to sing along with it, too. Uh, yes. Um, and, and I notice here under Bell, you do you had a, a variety of weapons. Is Bell is does Bell switch weapons based on situation? Yeah, based on yeah. situation, you know, based on evaluating the room and seeing what they might need. Uh, you know, the, the thing we talked about in the last one is me switching from a short bow to an actual hand crossbow, which is still fairly yeah. large, but it's definitely something. It's more like a, a weapon that can be drawn, like an agent would draw, versus a bow and arrow, like a ranger or something like that. So. Uh, I think that just makes more sense for the character. But yeah, I think that uh, the weapons that, you know, Bell is proficient in, doesn't have all of them. All, all, all Bell has right now is some daggers, the crossbow, a short sword. But little other things that they can find, like simple weapons, I think, you know, that's something that Bell would absolutely do, be that kind of ingenuity. Oh, there's, I'm in a room and I don't have my weapons on. Oh, there's this 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 nice little uh, toothpick. And I'm going to jab it inside their fingernails. Out of all of the things that we're going to be running jokes, we're going to do this. And I'm going to, I'm going to cringe. And I think Eli's going to shake his hand. Yeah. Time, right? it's, <laughs> mm, it's like phantom pains I've never had. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. One of the things I want to do before we wrap up this uh, episode, I want to hear how the character sees themselves physically. So if, if um, for example, if Bell were to describe what people see when he walks into the room, I'm curious how the character sees themselves physically. And then when we get to our next episode, um, I, I want to contrast that with how you describe your character to others. You know how the character actually looks to other people. So I'm just, this is one of the things I like to, to hear. The curio uh, for me, it's a curiosity. Mm. Um, does anybody have an idea of how their character would describe themselves physically? Absolutely, I, I can go. Yeah. So Bell feels that instead of being two foot eleven, Bell is actually like five foot tall. You know, the yeah. biggest of, of halflings to a degree carries that kind of confidence with it. Uh, Bell feels that. He has a, a strong, chiseled, you know, jaw uh, and, uh, you know, has very, very nice, slicked, very, you know, you know, good looking hair that, you know, almost anyone would be envious of, uh, you know, nice olive complexion, almost you know, perfectly tanned to a degree and is built really muscular. looks good, you know, all out of the scene of, uh, you know, what was I forget James Mod when he was walking out of the, the sea in his little Speedo. And look great, you know. That's it. Uh, that, that's the, the that Daniel, one of the Daniel Craig. Craig ones. The yeah. Daniel Craig. That's what he. That's what he would look. Very. He would. He would. He passes himself in his head 
very suave, very charismatic, very confident. And he definitely doesn't look like that physically to, to a large level. He's not horribly off, but his hair isn't that nice. He doesn't have that strong of a chin. Uh, his complexion isn't as nice as it could be. And he's definitely not ripped to shreds, um, you know, wearing a Speedo. Uh, so that's, that's, you know, for me, that kind of mentality that, that Bell would have uh, going into this here is that that's why he can come off so confident because he has that, that false sense of this is how I am. Internal charisma, 18. Yeah. How would he describe <laughs> himself um, clothing-wise dressed for adventure? Dressed for adventure, uh, he dresses very, very, uh, um, uh, what's the right word? Um, not tactical. Very, uh, I lost Pragmatic? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I like that. Um, he wears like, simple leather armor so he can move very, very easily, very, very fluidly. Um yeah, he, he travels. Well, he travels light. Only the things that he needs, minus the, the the sack that he has with his comic books and things like that inside there. That's the one thing that he makes exception for wherever he goes. Um, is, is that his go bag? That yeah, it's pretty much his go bag. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's all his yeah. his most valuable worldly possessions are in that bag, and yeah. that's what he, he carries around with. Cool. Who would like to go next? How does your character see themselves physically? I can go next. <clears throat> um, even though Abraxas is like seven foot tall, four hundred twenty pounds, huge guy, he doesn't really. Uh, he, he thinks of himself as just like a normal human. Just goes about his business. Um, but he knows he's strong, so he's like one of those guys that's very helpful. If something he's like, oh, lift your wagon so you can put your wheel back on. I got it. Yeah. Uh, really kind of like one of those guys that comes in the bar. Hey, Norm. You know, like one of those guys, right? Everybody kind of yeah. knows him. Uh, <laughs> wants to buy him a drink. Uh, he's always like sharing his maps. Hey, what do you think about this? Have you been here? How does this look? That kind of thing. Um, but he knows, but he knows he's this dragon born, like, you know, looks like a dragon. He knows that. Um, but he doesn't act that way. Um, but I kind of, I, I want him to have it, uh, like he doesn't want to give that out, uh, depending where he's at. So if he goes into a new town, uh, he wants to have that cloak over his, even though he's a big guy, he could just be like, Oh, is that just some big human and chainmail armor with the big, you know, hooded cloak and the last second, holy shit, it's a dragon. So I can, you know get up close and use a breath of my hat to, you know, that kind of thing. Does he have so a long tail? Uh, I don't want him to have a long tail. Uh, I, I know Dragon Mark gets to be different depending, but I don't want that to be, uh, for me, that's a tactical mistake. <laughs> you know, uh. I would not want that. <laughs> um, yeah. So one thing I've just come up with, because I like the way you described it, where he wants to be kind of unassuming or not call attention to himself when he goes to a new place. Um, I want to say, uh, and we'll take this as canon now, but Dragonborn are more common on the west side of Meaver than the east side. And you guys are all the way far east right now, which means... Right, right. And I kind of had them come from the west for sure. Right, yeah. yeah. So that's we'll play it that way uh, because I like the way you just described it, that as you walk into a new place, Dragonborn, I don't know, some places might even think of them as almost mythological, right? That... And they're not as common. And then when when they see you, right? Eli's got the right uh, facial expression there. Ah, or he's home alone, one or the other. <laughs> I wish I was Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we're gonna go with that. I put that in my notes. The Dragonborn are more common to the West, so that's cool. Um, Side. How does he dress for adventure? What does he look like? Uh, he's got, you know, the chain mail, uh, I want him to have gauntlets on. He's definitely a brawler. He definitely, uh, 
he could pull out the halberd if he needs to, but he could just, you know, unarmed strike or maybe like unarmed strike in the mace if he wants to go, you know, one-handed weapons. But he's more of the he pulls out the big the big stuff if he needs to have the halberd or the heavy crossbow, right? The two, even though he's the big guy, it's still two, you know, two-handed stuff. He definitely likes the uh, dropping the big bombs on people if he needs to, if he needs to, right? Like he knows he's strong. He knows he can uh, take care of business if he has to, but yeah. Not all the time. Doesn't have to completely destroy the village, right? <laughs> Does he um, wear anything that would be unique to him that might cause people that learn to know him to ask, what is that? Uh, yeah, so, because you could pick either like a holy or something. Like, I picked an emblem. I'm still trying to work that out. I want to kind of be related to, like, cartography somehow. Um, so I'm trying to think of certain tools that might work out for that. I don't necessarily want to be calipers or something like that. I think I want to like some Masonic symbolism or something. I, I need to still work that piece out. Okay. And by the way, that's a question everybody can be asking themselves too. Uh, something that some eventually somebody would say, you know, I've noticed that on you. What is that for? What does that mean? That, that kind of thing. Um, and, and the answer can be, no, my character doesn't do that. But I try to ask different things for different people too. Um, all right. Between Eli and Randy, who wants to go next? I can go ahead and go next. Uh, Randy, how how does Miles see himself? So Miles, a week before uh, he got locked up, was uh, feeling pretty confident. You know, just uh, was uh, just the nicest guy. Welcomed anybody into his end, and just uh, loud, boisterous, friendly. Uh, round of drinks on me. Just kind of uh, all around general guy. He's uh, He's older. He's nearly 50. He's got uh, brown hair, mud and chops, and a connecting mustache straight across. And, uh, well, ever since things went down, he uh, he's looking a little bit more ragged, unfortunately. He hasn't been able to shave, and uh, he uh, just isn't feeling himself anymore. He doesn't feel as proud, as friendly, you could say, uh, to passerbys. He's just a little down on his luck at, the, at this time. Uh, dressed, he, uh, he wears normal standard uh, clothing, uh, kind of lighter brown pants, brown shirt, uh, leather armor over top of it. And uh, how he represents himself, uh, people still see him as his... The people that knew him see him still as his former self. Still looks like a, a little bit of a massive... Not massive, a, a little bit of a, a bolsterous statuesque kind of man. Um, even though he himself doesn't feel all that great. Um, does he carry any special type of equipment or anything? I know we're kind of starting him off with not much, but is there anything that like um, when he's checked out of jail and they put that little bucket in front of him, here was your personal belongings, or is there anything special in there that he still has with him? Uh, I would say he has a, uh, a necklace with a picture of his deceased wife. Cool. Yeah. And is it like a, a locket, locket that has, it locket, has to yeah. be opened? Okay, what shape yeah. would you just... Uh, I'll go uh, oval, kind of uh, okay. smaller oval. Um, gold, silver looking? Whether it's real um, gold or real silver, it's a whole, whole separate topic. Yeah, goldish, yes. Goldish, okay. Okay, so that's cool. Um, Eli, what you got? All right, Aaron. so... I, I want to I want to put a little spin on this, so I'm gonna okay. preface this with <laughs> no. Oh. I'm gonna preface this with uh, Siegfried is looking at himself while polishing his greatsword. 
nice. Is that what the kids are calling it nowadays? <laughs> Lord, it's crazy how much I look just like Grandpa. Hair, beard, damn crook in my nose. I miss him. Ah, not something I need to be thinking of right now. Well, on that beard, wish it had grown out a bit fuller. It's getting patchy again. I should have, I should have packed that razor. I'm surprised I still had his clothes to go with it, though. Old river runner outfit. Nice pockets, nice and loose. Keeps me cool. So I'm putting putting the picture together in my head, and while he's mumbling, I'm looking at the, the sword. Does the sword have any special markings, special wrappings around the hilt or anything? Give me a second. Three, okay. Two, yeah. one. I need to get this to a smith, a real one, one that can get all these kinks and scratches out. Sharp as it needs to be, but Lord knows how long it's got. So long that the, so long that Elizabeth's locket stays wrapped around the hilt. I'm happy with it, though. What's he wearing? <laughs> I just made myself laugh. What are clothes? They're tattered. Oh, tell me all about it. What's he rubbing on his sword? <laughs> I should get some actual cloth to wrap this in instead of just keeping it in this baggy, patchy shirt every night. Pants are still good, though, surprisingly. Nice little leg wraps. Not much wear on it. Is he tall? No. Does he see himself as tall? No. Shorter than the rest of my kin, but everything seems to fit just right. It's almost as if I took a lot more from my grandpa than I thought. Boots are still mine, though. I got those fresh. I have his eyes in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and my f grandmother's ears. <laughs> um, there is a um, curiosity for everybody to think about, but um, uh, specifically because um, Arithmetic is so uh, uh, armored. Does he wear a helmet? Does anybody else wear any kind of head helmet? Protective helmet is the way I want to word it. Uh, and then yeah, also, fine. do you wear a hat? Do you keep a hood up, like Chris mentioned, for. I can't um, find a helmet to fit my huge head. I would never I wear one because of the breath weapon. When I, was in, when I was imposing against me, but I don't regularly wear them unless I have to. Okay. No. Simple answer. No. Yeah. So, Eli, what about for, for the uh, heavily armored fighter? Does he wear some kind of battle helmet with like a shield or anything special? No ornate helm, just the chain coif. Okay. Small arming cap underneath cushion my head, keep my hair in place. And when you say the chain, that makes me think tunic. Almost every time I think chain, there's some kind of colored tunic over top. Does he wear something like that? You mentioned the ragged shirt, but is it a special color or a special pattern that, that means something to him or his family? No. 
simple beige shirts and dark brown pants, black leather boots. He does have a surcoat, though. I'm, I'm a drop character now. He does have a surcoat. <laughs> cool. The, right. the surcoat is the colors of the uh, Weston family that he was a bodyguard for. I'm going to say green and orange. Okay. However, it does have a uh, symbol of a sparrow carrying a small box. That is his family's insignia from the courier service that they run. That's very cool. All right. And, and as cool as that is, for whatever stupid reason in my head, I thought of a swallow carrying a coconut. <laughs> I was close. Yes. <laughs> it, that, that was supposed to be the reference. Oh, well. It's an unladen swallow. Yeah. He, doesn't, um, he doesn't see himself as tall. I know you were asking earlier. I didn't give yeah. a, a straight answer. He doesn't see himself as a big guy. Yeah. You he, said um, small amongst your kin, which, which yeah. to me means regardless of everyone else's size, I see myself as smaller which mm -hmm. is the important part for me from the character's perspective. Yeah. So that works. And now mm -hmm. later, like I said, maybe the next episode when we, when we say your character walks into a room, what does everyone see? Then that's another description that we want to All explore. Right, cool. So let me ask you guys, if you wouldn't mind, the important parts of what you just said, if they're not already on that D&D Beyond character sheet, go ahead and add those in, the green and orange colors. You know, add that in because we have now something to look at and if if i take into the story that somebody else knows of the western family and they see the colors they might ask why do you wear the colors of the western family you know something like that but um put in what you feel were the important parts you don't have to type in verbatim what you said but the things that stick out to you that you'll want to remember that you'll want me to remember each other what have you um so we're getting close to the end of this one. Does anyone have any questions about anyone else's characters at this point? No, not no. at the moment. Cool. I think we're in pretty good shape for our next episode to actually let the characters start talking to each other. Um, it feels, I'm going to guess for anybody listening, and I know for us, we've been involved. So there's, you know, our own adrenaline, our own interaction, the fun of just actually being here and doing this. But for people listening, this is going to be, I don't know, eight, maybe nine episodes in, and we haven't played anything yet. But I want to let people hear what it's like to actually get ready to do that if you're doing it in a way that you learn what to expect. I think we could have jumped in um, the very first time we talked and started playing, but then I think the expectations we would have would be all over the board. People might think that somebody else was going to do something a certain way or not and then start getting disappointed about things. I like the idea of getting to know each other a little bit, getting to know the way you describe your characters, the way you think the characters would describe themselves, what choices you made in creating the characters, and in some cases at least why, what the background is, how it's morphed, that kind of thing. I think just we already know something about each other and the characters in this environment so that when we start playing, it won't be foreign to us. And to me, that's an important piece, which is why I wanted to make sure we got all of this, let's call it on the air. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyone have any other thoughts before we wrap this one up? Not for me. No, man, good. No? Randy, uh, that child has been quiet. Oh, he's asleep. He is that's dead to the world right now. Awesome. Uh, did we want to discuss bonds? Uh, I don't have any down myself. I 
couldn't think of them. I, I actually think that would be a great way to get the characters together. Okay. One of the things that we can talk about, because we can actually treat bonds as something that happens as we come together. So maybe the first time the, you know, the dragonborn sees the halfling, he's like, that's someone I have to protect. And <clears throat> immediately Chris could think, all right, I've got a bond, not necessarily with who this character is, but what I perceive him to be. And I got to do something about it, right? So I think that would be a great way to, to get the characters introduced and start building bonds that mean something like that. Cool. Sounds good. Right. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up this one up and we will be ready to get these characters into Ket to start looking at where their adventure leads them. I'm guessing it's going to be towards the hook I laid out with, you know, the old guardhouse kind of thing. Oh, but guardhouse, dang so. it. Yeah, that thing. God, I hope so. Yeah. I thought you said outhouse. I don't know what's going yeah. on. Yeah. There's an old outhouse half a mile it. up the mountain. I've been coming I... all the way from the west side of Con. I've been holding it this whole time. I just need to take a dump, man. It's burning me. It's the only place on the east side of the continent with indoor plumbing. I mean, you're so, Dragonborn anyway. Yeah, there you go. Um, on that <laughs> note, we will wrap this one up, and we can all say bye-bye. Call me Jesse. <laughs> the preceding podcast was brought to you by One Joe Young. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. <laughs>